Let me ask you, are you someone with hair? Well, if you answered yes to that question, do I have the product for you? Visit ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off because the goal with Modern Mammals is to try and keep your hair and head natural. Since I've been using it, that's exactly what I've experienced. I very much prefer it. I don't know if I'm ever going to switch back. Probably not, to tell you the truth. And this means that it doesn't distort your pH balance and natural oils like shampoo would. Unlike shampoo, the products don't have a harsh detergent that suds up and dries out your head and hair. It's just lighter than traditional shampoo. And unlike conditioners, it doesn't leave hair limp and frizzy. Like, you don't want that Seinfeld in the shower like Rory McIlroy had it once too, where it's just like a, a mop on your head. You don't want that. And if you use modern mammals, that's not going to happen. It's designed to make your hair feel thicker. And my hair at the moment feels so thick, you can't even pull it out. Plus, the products are easy to rinse out, so there's no leftover residue to weigh hair down. So, Go to ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code MAYO. Don't forget to use my promo code MAYO so they know I sent you. More details in the description. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Week 14 Injury Update, Rankings Adjustment, DraftKings Ownership, and the rest. We'll talk about some spreads, we'll talk about whatever. We're just getting ready for Sunday this week. If you want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars, easy. Smash the like button for the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me if Josh Jacobs sits this week, and he is out, where would you rank DeAndre Washington and Jalen Rocket Richard in the Week 14 Running Back PPR Rankings? That's the giveaway for 20 DK dollars. The giveaway for 60, 60 DK bucks is subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Download them episodes that are up there already. Even if you want to listen to them or not, just download them, erase them. Leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you like about this show. You'll be in a draw for 60 DK dollars. The Pat Mayo Experience will be live Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, DraftKings YouTube channel, and up on the podcast feed after the fact. But if you have viewer questions for your lineups this week, you'll want to tune in to me and Garyan and Cust. You probably don't want to tune in for Cust's advice, but hey, he's going to be on the show, and he will give you an answer. So maybe you can just do the opposite of what he says, and you'll be fine. Who knows? Additionally, uh, I have been nominated. Well, this show has been nominated for six industry awards, including show of the year, betting show of the year. But I have been nominated for fantasy sports analyst of the year. Am I going to win? Probably not. However, with your help, I could win. So if you just hit the description of this podcast or video, there is a link there where you can vote on this stuff. Vote Pat Mayo. 
for Fantasy Analyst of the Year, if I actually get enough of this stuff. I know my audience, well, not as large as, let's say, ESPN or the Fantasy Footballers, that kind of thing. Very engaged audience, so I really do appreciate that out there. Spend the 20 seconds. Please vote for Pat Mayo and hit up, like, I don't know, Jake for social media or something like that. Uh, you know, th- throw some bones Jake's way. He always lends me his time. But anyway, if you guys could vote in that, it would be highly appreciated. And I'm going to be using fanshare.sports.com to find the ownerships this week, at least projected ownerships. If you use the promo code PME, you get yourself a discount at fanshare.sports.com. Enough of that. Let's get into it. Mike Leone from dailyroto.com is joining me on the line at two hats, one Mike on the Twitter machines. And Mike, did you know if you use promo code the PME at Daily Roto, you get yourself 20% off? That's quite the discount. I thought it was 10% off, so 20% off. Maybe it is 10% over off. There. I have no idea. <laughs> it well, should be. it's it, something it, off, it, and it, you should definitely check it out. It's a really good way to check out our product. But I want to hear, what's your slogan for getting people to vote for you? You know, we've got the Andrew Yang humanity first. You should go with fantasy first. Is that your, can I pitch that to you? If it was fantasy first, like here's the thing. If I'm nominated for best fantasy sports analyst of the year, I'm probably the shittiest out of all of the people as it pertains to actually making picks. So that's really okay, working entertainment against me. First. Entertainment first. Laughs first. <laughs> okay. All right. We're working on it. We'll get it molded, sculpted by the end of the show. We'll get people out to vote for you. Well, maybe I'll I vote should, for you, Pat. Maybe I should. Well, yeah, you didn't nominate yourself or Davis, so there you go. Um, so you, you could just vote for me instead. We're on top of things. I can see That's that. That's for sure. If you just, I'll just lift it from Russell Crowe and Gladiator and be like, vote Pat Mayo. Are you not entertained? There you go. That, that, that's not bad for something on yeah, the Yeah, let's spot. get a gif of you doing that. And yeah. We'll, we'll get it spread I'm, around. I'm not the most gifable type person. I'm not Andrew Kesson. I'm not Feinberg. Those two, that's what gifts are made for. Yeah, I saw a good one with Jeff the other day. There, there's just so many good disappointment gifts with Jeff, I feel like, usually related to the Chargers or just like him thinking hard. And this is what I think of when I think of Jeff is like him rolling the hands through the hair. Oh, man. That's my Jeff. That, that's not bad. You, you need better. You and I do not have the flow to match Jeff. Is, yeah, is, is I, it's hard to impersonate correctly. Yeah. Just a heads up, by the way. Don't miss undefeated middleweight world champion Jamal Charlo as he defends his title against highly ranked contender Dennis Hogan live Saturday, December 7th at 9 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Back to the show. So let's get into this. Running backs for the week, uh, the full injury report as it stands right now on a Friday afternoon. In my rankings, you can find the description of this podcast or video. They are currently updated. I'll update them again on Saturday and then again on Sunday once we get official words on everything. But Delvin Cook, he's going to play. Matt Breda, he's going to play. Marilyn Mack, he's going to play. Not sure about Zach Zenner and what his role for the Dolphins is going to be, but he's likely to be active. Uh, likely out, Jordan Howard. Officially out, Kalen Balazs, Daryl Williams, Damian Williams, and James Conner. The big one right now is Josh Jacobs. He has the shoulder injury. He has not practiced all week. That doesn't mean he's not going to play, but he's probably like 50-50 at best. And here's the issue. They don't play until the later set of games against Tennessee. So we may not know whether or not Josh Jacobs is going to be active at home against Tennessee or not. It's not a great matchup. Tennessee has a pretty fantastic run defense, but Josh Jacobs is definitely someone you're going to play. So the move right now is just go out and pick up DeAndre Washington and get him on your team. Whether you have Josh Jacobs or not, this way you block the Josh Jacobs owner from having a very easy out. And I mean, DeAndre Washington is not going to be as good as Josh Jacobs, but 
it'd be someone that you could pick up and play in his place if he was not playing. And then you throw your opponent completely into a scramble. This, these are the type of moves that you need to do uh, right now in the fantasy playoffs. But on DraftKings, I think it's even more tricky because Leone, he's $3,000 on DraftKings this week. If Jacobs doesn't play, like, are you just going to late swap on DeAndre Washington? Because we know that people don't late swap, so people just aren't going to use him. Yeah, my first instinct was between him and Richard, it might be... Richard. Rock, Richard. Rocket, Rocket it, Richard. Rocket Richard. It might be a little bit dicey in terms of how things are split up, and you might not get good value out of either. But as I'm fooling around with our projections at Daily Roto, where you can mess around with the projected share of rushing attempts, share of targets and whatnot, those guys are so cheap that it's tough to not get them both as like pretty decent values. If Jacobs is out with Richard, you know, carrying the load in the passing game, you'd be looking at a low to mid teens target share for him, probably around a 45 to 50% rush share for Deandre Washington. And at both those numbers, each of those guys becomes a good, but not amazing play. And then if, you know, it doesn't end up getting divvied up how we think, and it slides one way or the other, whichever way it slides, that person's going to be a really good play. As you mentioned, people don't utilize late swap as much as they should. So if you look in your flex spot there, there's a couple plays on the Tennessee side that give you the pivots if Jacobs does play. So if you want to play DeAndre Washington, Johnny Smith's only $3,100 more. I know you don't ideally want to play a tight end with flex, but it's the injury show. Adam Humphreys is out, so that should help the targets go around. So not only Johnny Smith, but you get... Corey Davis at 3,900, that's the same price as Rocket Richard. So you've got some maneuverability there. If you want to play these Raiders guys, just make sure if you're playing DeAndre Washington, leave that $100 extra so you can pivot him to Smith. If you're playing Richard, you, it, I think it's a straight swap, exact same salary as Corey Davis. So you can definitely get aggressive there and hope that Jacobs is out. And then you end up overweight on two value plays that are really strong, but because the game locked at, 425 it's not going to carry near nearly the ownership as some of the other cheap running backs and we get a lot of cheap running backs on this slate potentially um with other news as well the miami running back situation the new york jets running back situation are two other ones all right well let's let's stick on the raiders for a second so i actually think deandre washington would be in line to probably see in terms of snap share it could end up 50 50 depending on how the game flow goes if the raiders fall behind a lot early then we're going to see a lot of jalen richard on the field as the pass catching back but he's never been used in the role of a guy who's going to get like 12 carries during a game. Like I don't think that his yeah. role changes all that much. And Deandre Washington doesn't necessarily step into the Josh Jacobs. Oh, I'm getting all the carries type role, but I could see him 15 plus carries in this game. And if he's just going to play, like if they can keep this game close or potentially even lead a little bit, then there's a situation where I think Deandre Washington could play around 70% of the snaps for the Raiders. Yeah, I think what you see is DeAndre Washington takes like 80% of Josh Jacobs's role. And then the other 15 to 20% goes to Richard because the pass catching is so valuable on DraftKings. That's why I think fantasy-wise, they can look a little bit close to one another, even though I agree with you that the snaps themselves would be in favor of DeAndre Washington. Washington's who I would want. For one, he's $900 cheaper, which matters. And two, I think because he's going to get the rushing share, that's where the TD upside comes in. That's where you're going to hit more of a ceiling game, whereas Richard's your 5-for-40 guy with you know, 20, 25 rush yards, and it's decent value, but 
it's not slate breaking by any means. No, I uh, should note. I would say that DeAndre Washington's the only one that possesses slate-breaking ability here because I would assume he plays all the goal line packages, that if they do get up and they rush for touchdowns, it's going to be him, not Richard. Not Richard. Yeah, I think you're right, and Hunter Renfro's out you know, here too, so they're a little bit thinner, and I wonder if they do end up going a little bit past happier. Uh, we could see the return of early season Darren Waller. I know I saw a tweet from Derek Carty where, where he was noting the splits uh, with Waller versus Renfro and how his targets sort of have pivoted off of Renfro being in. So if they go a bit past happier, so that's more attempts to go around. And then if you expect a higher target share because Renfro is not in, you know, people are finally off Waller. The price hasn't really dipped back down to where it was early in the season. Could be a good low ownership tournament play. Yeah, I used him last week. He went seven for 100 last week against the Saints. So I don't think that there's going to be that much of a, hey, I don't want to play Waller. He's been so awful. I think people saw enough last week and he's just cheap enough versus the very high end options, even with the return of Austin Hooper, that I think that people will go to him. Although, Tight end seems to be the place where you can save the most money in general. And we'll get to tight end in a second because there's one guy who's the minimum that everyone seems to be gravitating towards this week. And that's where they're going to save their money that I like Waller just objectively as a play, but I think I would rather pay down for that Deandre Washington spot and pray that, I mean, you you mentioned John Smith is $3,100 Tajay Sharp. If Adam Humphreys does sit, which it does look like he's going to is only $3,000 as well, that he becomes another guy that you could potentially pivot to in that game that's exactly the same price yeah he's a game time decision as well uh so something to note there where the titan side could be thin so moral of the story you should have options that are cheap late in this game you should take advantage of that flexibility okay let's let's spin the opposite scenario because we've just been talking about what if josh jacobs sits what if josh jacobs plays feel like the comments i saw from gruden was so he missed practice wednesday and thursday and today and then friday I don't know what his official designation was, but they said he didn't do much. He's questionable, but Richard and Washington are a full go. It really sounds like even if he plays, he's going to be limited. It's, I think I'd play the Tennessee guys if Jacobs was active, but you know, my gut tells me that you're going to run into pretty good volume for Richard and Washington, no matter what. But if he does play, I'm likely going to the Tennessee side just out of safety where we, you know, we know Corey Davis as bad. He's frustrating as he's been all season. He's going to play a certain role. You've got Adam Humphreys out. We know John Smith, you know, that's the number one tight end there. Like I'd probably play those guys over Washington and Richard if Jacobs is active, unless I was way behind and I really needed a smash, in which case I might just still go with DeAndre Washington and hope that Jacobs is this fake active and only plays in case of emergency or something like that. I know Josh Jacobs is $6,500 on DraftKings this week, but you're going to get him at like 0.001 ownership. Like, is there any merit to actually playing him if he's active? I don't think so. Like I said, the news flow out of there, it seems really pessimistic. And at times we get fooled by the coach speak and, you know, we might think we're better at reading the tea leaves than we are. All that said, that that's a tough price tag to begin with for his lack of involvement in the passing game this season. So I'm off Jacobs. I don't really see a scenario where I'd play Jacobs, even if he is mega low owned. 
So the Miami situation right now, I had mentioned that Zach Zenner, we don't really know what's going on to him. Per FanshareSports.com, the four highest owned running backs of this slate, the main slate on DraftKings, Mike, Patrick Laird is number one, (laughs) Devonta Freeman is number two, Leonard Fournette is number three, and James White is number four. How is the most owned running back not Elvin Kamara? Yeah, our projections certainly would have it be Elvin Kamara. We really like him this week. His targets last four weeks, I think, have been 10, 10, 9, and 8. And a matchup against San Francisco, tough matchup. A lot of times in difficult defensive matchups, you're going to see more targets funneled to the running back position. They're at home, where historically much more efficient than they are on the road playing at home in this dome. So at that price tag, too, is really priced for two things. One, the matchup against San Francisco is fully taken into account with that price tag. And two, Kamara just he's flat out run bad in terms of touchdowns this year. It's just a variance thing. Two years ago, we were saying the opposite. He's run really good. It's not like something has changed with Camaro where all of a sudden he can't score. And two years ago, he could do nothing but score. It's just bad variance. You know, he's been on the wrong side of luck and that's going to turn around sooner or later. I know I had him low owned against Tampa Bay a few weeks ago. He scored a touchdown called back on holding had a huge game and somehow all the touchdowns went to other pieces. Uh, sooner or later, it's going to come back though. And we're going to get a multi-touchdown game from him and really only one touchdown is all you need with his contributions in the passing game. You're talking to running back. That's getting a low 20% target share playing with drew Brees, playing at home in a dome that's favorable for speed and for offense. Yeah, he, he's my number one guy this week. Yeah, I think I'm going to be having the majority of my lives with him in it. And if that means I can pay down for DeAndre Washington, are you in on this? And then I could probably maybe even get McCaffrey into those lineups. I don't know. I'll try to figure that out. That's usually how I lose my money every week, trying to jam McCaffrey in where I can't do it with another stud. And uh, it doesn't turn out great. Although the last few weeks have been pretty good, even though McCaffrey has come up short. Uh, he's still done better than most of the chalk <laughs> running back. So it all works out. He His floor is just so high last week he only scored 17 it was a disappointment but nobody really went off last week and it still worked out okay and with the way this week's shaping up where it seems like you're gonna get a couple cheap plays somewhere yeah i'm tempted to see if you could fit mccaffrey and kamara together but I mean, I can't. I mean, it's, it's it's not that hard. You just pick the two of them and then pick the rest of your team and keep it under the salary. Yeah, I'd cap. say the tough aspect of that is I think, <laughs> I think, I like Kamara better than McCaffrey straight up. And you might want to play two cheap running backs. And obviously, you can't play four running backs, so that's going to leave you spending money at you know tight end and wide receiver spots. And I think I'm leaning that way over playing McCaffrey, who I expect to be really really chalky this week because of the ease in which you can play him and because people are on Kamara as much as they should be. Well, if you put in McCaffrey and Kamara as your first two, you still have $4,700 remaining. You chuck in a cheap defense in there, and I have a few cheap defenses I really like. So let's say I use the Chiefs D, who I like, at 22. Then all of a sudden I have $5,100 left per player, and then I only need one of those cheap guys that I can still afford everyone I want to. So it's not that difficult to jam both those guys in. You brought up the New York Jets situation. Le'Veon Bell's missed the last two practices, Thursday and Friday, with an illness. I don't expect him to not play, though. Usually when I see a guy miss with illness, you kind of brush it off. Uh, It's another situation where he didn't exactly get a ringing endorsement that he was going to play. It was kind of a we'll see sort of thing. I feel more confident that Jacobs misses than Bell misses. But if for some reason Bell were to miss, Bilal Powell 
3,500, a guy who catches passes going up against the Dolphins. You know, quietly, you know, we talked about this just before the show. Quietly, this game is becoming one of the most important games of the slate between if Bell is out, you've got Powell, you've already got Laird on the other side with the Miami running back situation. Devontae Parker's shown a huge ceiling the last few weeks. And even in the Jets passing game, you know, no one individually pops as super amazing, but Crowder, Demarius Thomas, Robbie Anderson, you can make cases for all three of them at the respective price point. So it's a really interesting game from a DFS perspective. And we don't have a bunch of huge totals this week either. So getting, you know, two teams that are priced pretty affordably that could shoot out a little bit relative to the other team totals. It's appealing from a DFS perspective. So let's live in a world where Le'Veon sits, Jacob sits, and that's it. And you have these six guys available on your waiver wire to pick up and play this week in your season-long leagues. You have Bilal Powell, DeAndre Washington, Jalen Richard, LaShawn McCoy, Benny Snell, Darwin Thompson, and Patrick Laird. Which one do you think he would use? No price attached to them. So I think... If it's a standard league, I'd go Benny Snell against Arizona. I think the scoring upside for Pittsburgh is pretty strong there. DeAndre Washington's probably pretty close. If it's full PPR, you know, I've got I've been listening to too much Peter Overside and too much Davis Maddock, but I might go with Laird because of his pass catching ability. Either him or Powell if it's full PPR. I, I think I would lean Powell if I knew that Bell was going to be out. The thing is, I don't think that Bell's going to miss this game, so it's yeah. Probably, if you it's knew, probably going to be somewhat knew, irrelevant. Are you worried about Ty Montgomery at all? Like that's not, not really. Like, I I would see it maybe like I'd say at worst for Powell, and I it could definitely be wrong on this, but like a 60-40 split at worst. It's also you can bet you can get bailed out because it's Miami. So hashtag analysis. They're playing Miami. And sometimes we you know overcomplicate these things. But if the vo- if you're right on the volume, it's a really, really, really good play for Paul. If you're wrong on the volume, and it's pretty even split. Well, you're playing the Dolphins. You, you've got a decent shot at scoring mid twenties, and if that occurs, both running backs are probably doing decent from a fantasy perspective. I think that the forty one hundred dollar Patrick Laird on DraftKings in the Millionaire Maker, because of everything that's happened this week, the price point that he's at, I think he's going to approach twenty percent ownership. I really do. I think he could be the highest owned running back on this slate, and that is just going to make me not play a single share of Patrick Laird. It's sad, but if he is truly 20%, there's too many other options, too many other ways to build. I mean, even in the $5,000 range, Kenyon Drake's been catching a lot of passes for Arizona. Devonta Freeman, when he's been healthy over the second half of the season, he's had a workhorse-type role, and that's a home-dome game against Carolina that could go back and forth a little bit. And then we've already hit on backs that are cheaper than Laird. I mean, Bilal Powell, $600 cheaper. DeAndre Washington, $1,100 cheaper. I like Laird a lot because of his pass-catching ability. And like I said, I think this game could shoot out a little bit. But if he's chalk, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where there's enough uncertainty with all these situations when we haven't seen exactly how teams are going to allocate the volume that you want to play that uncertainty by using the situation that's least – people have least exposure to and hoping that people are wrong on Laird and if the volume you know goes right for you on Powell or DeAndre Washington whatever it may be I think a lot of it will come down to how early do we get Jets news how early do we get Raiders news if we get it early enough that could bring the Laird ownership back down 
to earth and have it be somewhat sane. But if we get, you know, Jets news late, even though they're an early game, if we don't get it till an actives come out, people might not adjust properly. If we don't have the Oakland Raiders information by lock, again, make use of that flex. People aren't going to leave themselves the flexibility. And some people just won't swap, even if they do leave themselves the flexibility. So I, when we, the timing of when we get some of this news, I think will dictate the layered ownership quite a bit. I think people are just going to go on to him either way. I think people want to root for Patrick Laird, obviously, and he's so That's cheap. Fair. He makes so many lineups end up working. But like, it's not like the Jets are a good matchup. They are through the passing game out of the backfield. But then if if you take away some of the touchdown upside of Patrick Laird, like how much do you think that Zach Zenner gets involved in this game? Like, Could there be a situation where it's, just, it's either Zenner leading the backfield? Because uh, like, we've seen a distribution between the Miami running backs all year long. Frankly, none of them have ever been good plays outside of one Kalen Balaj week where he snuck into the end zone for two touchdowns in a week where all the other running backs were absolutely terrible. So then you have a situation where it could look like you have, let's say Patrick Laird is the pass catching back. You have Miles Gaskin as the goal line back and Zach Zenner is the guy between the twenties or switch out Gaskin and Zach Zenner is that guy. Then none of them are useful. So I think I feel okay about the Laird workload. I really do. We've seen, you mentioned we've seen a split in Miami, but they gave Balaj on consecutive weeks, like 80% of the snaps. And he's been terrible all season. He's been terrible last year. And they still gave him those snaps. And uh, Patrick Laird, 60% of snaps with Balaj going down last week. Uh, they did use him by the goal line. And the critical part, he's going to be the pass catching back either way. You know, if we get sniped a little bit on some rush attempts, a few goal line attempts, I don't think he's removed from the red zone completely, no matter what happens. Maybe he splits there and it's frustrating, but I think he's involved in some way there. Feel really confident he's the pass catching back. And this Jets defense, it's not a bad defense, but it's a little bit of a funnel defense. It's good against the run, bad against the pass. That's what you want if you're the pass catching back. You want to be in some third and long situations because you ran for two yards on first and 10 or second and 10. You want to be on the field catching some of those dump off passes where you'll Laird could easily see five catches in this game. And if he sees five catches in this game, he's a favorite to go three acts at the 4,100 salary. Okay, so he's $4,100. We know that both the Williams, not brothers, but let's just call them brothers, are out in the backfield for the Kansas City Chiefs. They signed Spencer Ware. He's no idea how much he's going to play, whether he's active or not. So you have Shady, who no one's going to play in the mid-4,000s. Then you have Darwin Thompson, who everyone wants to believe in, but everyone's just using Patrick Laird. As everything stands right now, if you had, let's say, and we'll all be conservative on the estimate of projected ownership for Patrick Laird. Let's say you have a 13% Patrick Laird in the Millionaire Maker, or a 4% Darwin Thompson in the Millionaire Maker. I think Darwin Thompson's the better play. I think it's pretty close to break even at those ownership percentages. The Casey situation's tough. We were kidding in our internal content Slack channel where we're, you know, going through the projections each week for Daily Roto that, you know, the reasons they the reason to be positive towards Darwin Thompson is they seem like they hate LaShawn McCoy and the reason to be positive towards LaShawn McCoy is they seem like they hate Darwin Thompson you know they don't really seem like they want to play either of these guys that much and now they might not have a choice even though I know they did bring Spencer Ware into the fold uh, you wouldn't expect him to get much run just joining the team this past week uh, I'll, I'll take I think I'll take Laird at 13 percent I don't think that discrepancy is big enough if we get 
Laird to 15 plus, and you're going to guarantee me like three-ish percent on Darwin, I might change my mind. But I think we're like right at the equilibrium point with Laird at 13 and Darwin at four. Pretty good example of that. I I mean, I think that Darwin Thompson outscores him anyway. Really? Yeah, I do. Like, I I just look at how Kansas City has attacked the Patriots the last two times they've played them. I know the defense is better this year, but, you know, it's a similar type situation. I'll take the player in the better offense for one thing. You can't guarantee me that Patrick Laird's going to play 75% of the snaps. Like, if there's a situation where Darwin Thompson plays 70% of the snaps, that's in the realm of possibility. And they've just gashed New England on backfield passes. I mean, what else would you have Darwin Thompson do in your offense rather than catch passes out of the backfield? Like, that's it. Like, they're going to both play a similar role. I'll take the guy in the better offense, even if it is a tougher matchup. So you say that they'll play a similar role, but I would definitely make Darwin a dog to Laird on touches. I think overall, but I, I mean, feel pretty, okay, I feel okay, pretty well, confident that Laird touches are more than Darwin touches. Potentially so, but how valuable are is any Patrick Laird rush, honestly, unless it's at the one yard line. And you can't put the can't necessarily put that in, but the Jets have a better run defense than the Patriots do. And Patrick Laird, even last week, I mean, he's averaging like 0.5 yards per carry. <laughs> All right. So at like, the end it, of the day, like, though, if if the reason to play him is because of receiving prowess, I mean, what he does on the ground is basically irrelevant unless he scores a touchdown. He's just not going to get you that sort of yardage on the ground to make a difference. I'd I rather mean, have not- the guy in the better offense who's probably going to score more points. Like, the highest projected right. point total game of this week is Patriots-Chiefs. Okay, but I bet you'd be surprised at how close the team totals are. Team total for Kansas City, 23. What's the team total for Miami here? It, it has to be less. There's six-point dogs on the road in a lower 21 for Miami, 23 for KC. That's a lot closer than you would have expected, though. I That doesn't even make any sense to me. Like, the, the Chiefs are three-point dogs in New England in a game that's a 49 over-under. The Dolphins are five-and-a-half-point dogs in a game that's projected to score four points less. It can't be that close. Well, maybe I have it wrong then. I but... mean, just, just, just saying that out loud, like, that would lead you to believe that they wouldn't be that close, would it? I think that Miami's right around 20-and-a-half to 21, and Casey's at 23 so we have Miami at five point dogs right now. So maybe they dropped a little bit if it's five and a half points. But either way, they're both in the low twenties. Like Kansas City obviously has more scoring upside, but it's closer than you would have expected. You know, on any other week, you're talking a team total difference of like ten, whereas it's kind of close this week. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, and we might even have it this way if Laird had more TD upside than Darwin Thompson. Like the guys that. Laird is competing for touchdowns for it's not Travis Kelsey. It's not Tyreek Hill. It's not, I won't even say Sammy Watkins because he's dead to me, you know, <laughs> and you've got LaShawn McCoy there. I'm, I mean, I'm more worried about LaShawn McCoy taking goal line touches from Darwin than I'm worried about miles Gaskin taking goal line touches from Patrick Laird. Potentially so, but you also have the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick enjoys calling his own number. It's sort of like the Josh Allen, Devin Singletary corollary. Yeah, I mean, it's it's close, but I'm more. I, it just comes down to I'm more confident in the touches for Laird than for Darwin. I will say that if you're right on Darwin and he ends up playing 60% of the snaps, yeah, give me Darwin at 60% of the snaps for KC versus Laird at 60% of the snaps for Miami. But I think that the appropriate line in terms of playing time and touches 
the discrepancy is wide enough that I'll take Laird and even though it's the Miami offense versus Darwin and the KC offense. Here's the thing. I don't think that either of them are like great plays at all. Like I might not use either of them. I just wanted to get, get the argument between those two and how to construct lineups. That's fair. It's, it's a, this is one of the more interesting weeks. I did a cage match thing with Al Zeidenfeld where we went back and forth as like a snake draft salary cap head to head. And I'm looking at our projections, for example, at running back a lot of weeks and this year it's happened a few times, but this week in particular, we just have a lot of crowded values after Kamara and some of the values that we like near the top of those crowded values are guys. People aren't going to play like Devonta Freeman. I don't think is going to be popular. I haven't, I haven't projected as the second highest owned guy after Laird. Really? Yeah. Okay, so I could be wrong there, but someone like Kenyon Drake, people aren't going to play for sure. Like no one's playing Kenyon Drake. And you're well. Let let me throw this out to you then. So we we talked about all these values at running back. What if the move, like I mentioned, is just a double pay up at running back? Avoid all these value guys who, frankly, could all bust because none of them are actually any good, and then just have an even keel team at receiver and that's your contrarian bill. You don't have to worry about ownership at that point just because your build is so much different than everyone else's. Yeah, that you you need to find the right receivers. I need to like actually build this out and see how it looks. But actually I'll quickly just lock Kamara <laughs> and Freeman and see what it looks like. You or, would I'm sorry, Kamara and McCaffrey. You, you would end up with like Zach Pascal, Jamison Crowder, AJ Brown, Christian Kirk, uh, Robbie Anderson, Tyler Boyd, all the way up to Ooh, like if you one way you could do it is if you like Humphreys is out, if Sharp is game time decision maybe out, you could probably double sack Tannehill very easily with a Kamara McCaffrey bill but as I'm looking at him I don't even think so, the, I don't even think you need to go that cheap at receiver if you really want to like there's enough, you actually just, like there's enough independent like value, optimal there's enough independent value route. one sec there's enough independent value at receiver cheap I think whether it's Auden Tate or I mean Paris Campbell is now going to play he's 3,000 or 3,200 bucks against Tampa yeah and if you're willing to take the cheap tight end our top optimal is actually a nuke Deshaun Watson stack with Kamara McCaffrey. So there's definitely that flexibility and it goes, and that's with Deandre Washington and flex. If you assume uh, Josh Jacobs is out and you just use one of those cheap running backs. So yeah, I guess that's appealing. Pick the right cheap running back. Hope the rest of them are, even if they're fine, even if they hit value, they don't necessarily win you a tournament. McCaffrey has a McCaffrey day uh, and Kamara. We just have already discussed. We both think he's the best value on the entire slate. I'm starting to warm up to this. My, I guess my only slight hesitation is I think McCaffrey is going to end up just monstrously owned because of all the cheap running backs. Okay, if but that's the construction it, itself but, might end up unique because he'll probably be owned with like double cheap running backs. Exactly. Or you can just say screw Christian McCaffrey and have Kamara with Cook or have McCurry with McCaffrey with Fournette, and then it, it's the same principle of double paying up, but you save yourself money. Where do you think the Cook ownership is going to be? I'm struggling with like Cook versus McCaffrey. I don't know now uh, where he's been lifted from the injury report that there's going to be no limitations on Dalvin Cook. At least that's what Mike Zimmer says. I can see more. I don't know if necessarily more people are going to own him than Christian McCaffrey, but I can see it being super close. So as chalky as you might think Christian McCaffrey may be that extra 800 bucks at the very top. Now that we know that Dalvin Cook could be okay. I wonder if I can make a... McCaffrey, Cook, and Kamara lineup. Now, there's a lineup, Mike. <laughs> this is where my mind's going to. I feel like 
Well, it kind of depends on how some of these situations break, but I feel like you're probably going to want to take a chance on one of the running back situations, especially because some of these guys catch passes. Nope, no, 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 no. McCaffrey, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, lock it in. There's your lineup. Start there and just move on. I, I just want to see what this looks like. I, I can actually build a pretty good team with it. Not a pretty good team, but I can build a team that I don't hate with this. You know it, who we... It requires, it, it like requires using... The market. One second. It requires using Ian Thomas as my tight end, though, is the problem. Who is projected so, to be the highest owned <laughs> tight end this week. But yeah, again, you can do like the double Tannehill stack or like if you use Johnny Smith, Corey, da- Corey Davis at 3,900 is going to break me this week. I, I'd rather use, me. I'd rather use Paris Campbell. That is the one guy that was contested quite a bit when we were setting projections where, you know, Davis was really pro Paris Campbell, but Davis is generally pro <laughs> the young athletic guy. It's not really shocking there. Whereas Drew's like, well, I'm looking at the data and I don't see how we get the target share on Paris Campbell higher than on Marcus Johnson, who's a UDFA, but he's been playing 90% of the snaps. He's been playing solely outside. And I don't know. I'm torn there because my heart says, yeah, play Paris Campbell. This is a team that's desperate versus a bad Tampa Bay secondary, uh, really good Tampa Bay run defense. So they're going to throw a lot. Paris Campbell's the guy you're going to use on gadget plays and whatnot too. So you should get some cheap points there. But right now, the way we have it projected, Marcus Johnson just takes away enough volume from Paris Campbell that it ends up looking like a little bit of a stretch, at least on paper. So I can fill out a team with McCaffrey, Cook, and Kamara if I use guys like Auden Tate, Paris Campbell, and Ian Thomas. And then you have... Let's see. And if you pay down for a cheap defense, I do like the Chiefs. I like the Bengals as well. But then you would have 5,700 left for a quarterback and receiver. That's not the end of the world. No, it's not. It's not not optimal, but you get the three best running backs on your team. You need you need the expensive wide receivers to have a bad day, which isn't the craziest thing in the world for them to not go ham. But no, you don't you don't you don't need them to have necessarily bad days you just need all three of those running backs to be the three running backs because no one else is going to have those three running backs in the same lineup and you could even change like you said you could change cook to leonard fournette instead and then all of a sudden you have like 6600 left for quarterback and receiver i think what ends up happening though is of all the cheap running backs we talked about unless the news breaks like if bell plays if josh jacobs plays you know, maybe this works where you're fading basically just layered at that point, but, or and I guess layered on the KC guys, but if Bell's out and Jacobs is out, I just feel like you can't fade all the cheap running backs. I think one of them is going to no, hit. You can, you can fade them all. One of them's going to hit. One of them's going to hit. You're not going to know, gonna... but you're not going to know which is which. Like I'm not playing 150 lineups. I'm playing. But somebody's going to hit it. You're not going to win, though. I think you're better off guessing well, on which one's the right one. No, I think I'd rather take... If, if I'm playing my 10 lineups against 150 lineups, I think I'd rather go with this build that no one else is going to have with good players and at least good running backs in it. I'd rather chance it on wide receivers. Wide receivers are chancier anyway. Like... I at least like I would rather take an expensive running back knowing I can project out their volume much better than I can do of all the top end receivers. Like Mike Evans is a great play this week. Devonte Parker is a great play this week. But if you told me at the end of the week they both had eight points, I'm not going to be super stunned. If Delvin Cook doesn't get hurt this week and he gets his normal workload, if he ended up with eight points, I, I my head would explode. I'd be like in tremors. Yeah, I think it depends a little bit what contest you're playing. I think if you're playing a smaller field contest. 
you know, maybe this strategy works out a little bit better where you don't need the perfect lineup. You just need a few players to fail in certain spots and the running backs to do their things. And all of a sudden you're cashing high. That makes sense. But if you're throwing this in the million maker, I, I just don't know if you can get there. I just think one of the cheap running backs comes through and it's going to be minus EV to play a lineup without taking a chance on one of the cheap running backs, even though I know you're not playing a ton of lineups, you're only playing one and you don't feel great guessing which of those running backs you should play. I still think you should take that chance. Well, let me ask you, what is, what would you say the percentage wise, one guy versus another guy of who scores more points, Patrick Laird or Auden Tate? I'd say, oh man. Like 60, 40. I'd say it's yeah, close to 50-50. 60 40 is what, what came to my mind at first. Yeah, 60-40. So if it's 60-40 in favor of Laird, I actually think it's closer than that, but I would still take the 40% chance on Tate if I knew that one guy was going to be... I get a different position. Like, Not only do you get to fade a chalky running back, you just get to use another running back in a spot now where you can pay up because you're paying down at receiver in a spot where you would then out. Like if you use Tate as your flex, as your very last man in instead of Darwin Thompson or Patrick Laird or one of the cheap running backs, like I don't think he's that big of a dog versus those guys. I think it, it's 60, 40, 65, 35, but regardless, like the type of math you're doing, this is how I get myself in trouble sometimes though, is yeah, if it's 60, 40 and one guy's going to be way lower owned and in a more unique roster construction, you take that guy. But you start making that decision in each lineup spot, all of a sudden you're just drawing thin for all of those things to happen at the same time. Yeah, but the, the whole no, I mean the whole discussion that I wanted to have here was can you jam in three stud running backs you can in, a do week, it. in a week where everyone is paying down at running back? Just because that makes it your, can be done. It, that just makes your team so much different. Then you don't need to worry about ownership at all. It can be done. I don't it's weird that the beginning of this week, I didn't think ownership was even going to matter all that much. I thought it was going to be really spread out. And now as we're getting to the tail end of the week, you know, group think always starts to converge a little bit on some of the right plays. I do think ownership is going to matter a little bit more. I think it only matters at running back to tell you the truth. And that dictates the rest of the way that it's going to go. Like I don't have a single quarterback projected over 10% tight ends, pretty flat defense is pretty flat receiver, frankly, is pretty flat outside of like, DJ Moore and Devonte Parker and Robbie Anderson. Those are like the three popular guys that everyone's going to use. But after that, like it's such you know. easy fades too. If you're, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that Parker is an easy fade. I think Parker is legit good. I think he's underpriced. He is carrying my one lone best ball team. That's still alive, but man, part, but I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing to $6,900 receiver. I know Devonte Parker has been great. I like Devonte Parker. But if that's chalk, I think that's an easy fade. I feel like those are all pretty easy fades if they're chalk at, at their price tags. Like, would you I go, mean, Devontae like, Parker like you want, you want versus use, like you Julian use, Edelman. Uh, I, I mean, I, it's like the same price. DeAndre Hopkins is 7400 Yeah, but if... It, 500 bucks more. I don't know. I, I think it's pretty thin on Parker if he's remotely chalky. Okay, well, let's talk about the injury report. I do like the what? game. If you're game stacking, play Parker, but... If you're not game stacking and he's chalky, he's not a guy to use as a one-off. Okay, so receiving your injury report. Mohamed Sanu, Julio Jones, John Ross, Golden Tate, A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, and Pally Gamble 
are all likely to play. Adam Thielen, Devin Funches, Paul Richardson, Jakeem Grant. Uh, Jakeem Grant is definitely out. Trey Quinn, Hunter Renfro, Adam Humphreys, Nelson Aguilar now, who's been placed on the injury report, hasn't practiced all week. We'll know a better idea on Saturday because they play in the Monday night game. They're all not likely to play at this point. Chester Rogers, A.J. Green, Scotty Miller for Tampa. So Brashad Perriman, look out there. Deshaun Jackson, T.Y. Hilton, and Juju are all officially out. Um, there's not like any sort of pickup receiver, but I do think that Campbell over someone like what the hell is that other guy's name? Marcus Johnson. Is that a guy? Yeah. Yeah. So I think real life, real life human being. I I think that Paris Campbell now back healthy from the hand injury would get the start over Marcus Johnson. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I, you have more flexibility with Paris Campbell. You can play outside, can play in the slot. Like I said, they're going to run gadget plays. I think I'm on team Campbell, but it is probably closer than it seems at first. If you just take a look at the guy who's been playing a ton of snaps and been seeing a decent target share, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if that just ended up a trap and the Colts didn't provide a whole ton of value and they disappointed a lot of people. I actually like the Tampa Bay defense at 2,300, a decent bit. Uh, I guess we'll talk about defenses in a sec, but you like the Tampa Bay D? I would prefer the Chiefs and Bengals defense. Chiefs and Bengals. I, I think it's a go cheap D week in general. In I in unless, I like I think, Tampa Bay more. Just you look at all the injuries the Colts have had. They're going on the road. I don't know. I think Tampa Bay is the best of the options, but I'm not going to have this crazy strong conviction on a deep, a cheap D play. Like they could all be bad, you know, whatever. If you can get there, I, I do think that the Steelers at 3,500 is the best defense of the week. So I'm a little bit on uh, Arizona as a contrarian stack this week. Little, I, I, like, I like Arizona to win this game, but I just think it's like 17-10 or something. And Kyler, even when he performs well, gives up fantasy points to the opposing defense because he takes so many sacks take sacks you know at times they can be very pass happy which is exactly what you want is a team being pass happy because really really the points allowed doesn't matter a ton only on like the extreme ends does it really have a tangible difference it's about those sacks and those turnovers but i don't i could kyler at one percent owned with you know kirk is always going to carry a little bit of ownership but I have an affinity for Kyler with either Kirk or Fitzgerald and bring it back with Deontay Johnson as a really cheap mini game stack. I just don't think that's a game you want to go to in terms of stacking to tell you, like it would be like eighth on my list of all the games on this slate. It's cheap though. It's cheap. Those three it's, guys it, combined, it's cheap, but, but it's cheap. But like Pittsburgh legit doesn't score points. Dude, duck Hodges says he's a gunslinger at heart. Come on. Well, let's see it in practice. So he's a theoretical gunslinger. Theoretically, he's a gunslinger. But Deontay Johnson, same amount of targets as James James Washington the last two weeks. A lot of people are on James Washington. Deontay Johnson's way cheaper. Arizona bleeds fantasy points. I don't know. I think if Kyler has a good game, things could get sped up a little bit. But it could very easily go the wrong way. I just think there's a chance it goes the right way and nobody's going to play that. I do think that Deontay Johnson is probably the piece of that game you want that's not Benny Snell from the Steelers side. But Benny Snell is super expensive, so you're probably not going to play him anyway. Like, If you can get Melvin Gordon or Benny Snell around the same price point, I think you might want to go against a guy playing the worst run defense. I've heard a lot of Melvin Gordon talk this week, and 
I don't know. I don't really get it. Are you in on him? I'm thinking about it, depending on how I want to construct my lineups. But like, if we just go back and look what he's getting, like 20 attempts, 20, 14 attempts, 22 attempts, 20 attempts, at least two catches in every single one of those games, except for one, that's game that he had the 22 touches. Like he's going to get the goal line work if they get down close. Like Jacksonville's just not stopping anyone on the ground. Yeah, I think a lot of people are looking to rush DVOA of Jacksonville. And I don't know, I think that that price range at 6,400, I just have a really tough time utilizing him with Austin Eckler still in certain situations, getting a lot of play. They seem to always be in a close games where they need to bring Eckler in for pass catching. You know, in the past, we've seen Melvin Gordon at 14% target share, even with Austin Eckler there. Our baseline for him is just barely 10%. So I know it's still a couple catches and might sound like I'm quibbling over small details, but I don't know. I think you're going to need a pretty efficient game. And does it look like on paper that'll be an efficient game? Yes, but when people start group thinking on an efficiency play, I don't know. I'm worried. And I know your point is he's it's more than efficiency, it's volume. You look at all the carries he's getting, but you know, carries generally you know, they just don't mean a lot unless you have unless you're getting to the hundred yard bonus, unless you're getting a lot of goal line carries. And he has the potential to do that, but I think it's gonna end up being overowned. All right, well, in a hypothetical situation, would you rather play Patrick Laird and Devontae Parker or Deontay Johnson and Melvin Gordon? I know, just throw out who the guys are, but like that type of player. It doesn't need to be Devontae Parker. It can be DJ Moore, let's say. DJ Moore and Patrick Laird, since it's not teammates, or Melvin Gordon and Deontay Johnson. I would take the Melvin Gordon, Deontay Johnson side. Like, I don't think, I don't I know if you're the ta- Laird, DJ Moore side. <laughs> really? I think so. Wow. All right. All right. You're better at this than I am, so maybe I should be listening to you on it. I'm a, uh, I don't, you, Pat, what's happened to you? Usually you're a sucker for these cheap pass-catching backs. I am, yeah. but like, I just don't think that Patrick Laird is very good, man. <laughs> you were uh, on Laird this two weeks. You're you were doubting this, him. You were on this two weeks. Three week times to- he shall be denied. Wait, listen, he had a good week last week when no one played him. I just really have no interest in, like, people... If he didn't appear on Davis's podcast this week and everyone downloaded it and everyone listened to it, which yeah. I recommend that everyone go do. It's a great podcast. But now that everyone likes Patrick Laird, they just want to use him on DraftKings and use him in their season-long lineup. Like, they're just over-projecting him to such an extent and using him that he's just not worth it. It's totally fair. We're all going to pay the rate just so we can all say we had him in our lineups. Yeah, and listen, like eighty percent Patrick Laird. We're all rooting for him. Good on you if you use Patrick Laird. He comes through, scores two touchdowns for like twenty DraftKings points. That'd be amazing. I'd be happy for Patrick Laird. I lose every week anyway, so it's not that big of a deal if I lose. But if you can win doing it, (laughs) yeah, frankly, that's good enough. I think that just proper strategy would be to not use him in this situation. What about Diggs? Because Thielen's not going to play. Detroit sucks. Yes, he's probably going to get slay in this game but i'm not really too concerned about that and i don't think very many people are going to use digs like if i look at the top of receiver which i don't know if a lot of people are going to go up to the very top but evans is going to be owned hopkins is going to be owned julio is going to be owned that's probably it. dj Moore, Devonte parker they're both going to carry ownership like michael thomas tyree kill stefan Diggs. i can just pe- see people overlooking them yeah, I think so. He doesn't pop for us in terms of median projection. You know, not someone you'll use for a cash game, but at home, you know, in a dome environment with Kirk Cousins playing extremely well the last, I don't know, eight weeks or so. It's been a pretty consistent run now. They had do they have the highest team total on the week too? And they're like not gonna be owned. I mean, people are gonna play Cook, I guess, 
with him being cleared and yeah, you know, like quote unquote, fully if, healthy. If you played like a Cousins and Diggs stack and that's all you wanted to do and maybe bring it back with Galladay potentially because he's the one that they use deep. If, if Mr. Blau can just chuck out some ducks to him and Galladay comes down with one of them, he's another guy that no one's using. Like it, it's expensive, although Kirk's not super expensive. But if you with all this value on the slate, like those are expensive guys you could go to no one owns who he said like you're in like. The, the, even if you just want to use the Vikings guys and just use those two, Kirk and Diggs, like that could be good enough. I'm looking right now at the Daily Roto 90, per, 90 percentile projections, and I don't want to give too much away, but Stefan Diggs is number four on that list. And I don't even think you guys have taken Thielen out yet. Yeah, we. I think we might have taken Thielen out, but still, the point remains is if he's fourth there, people aren't going to use Diggs and it's the highest team total of the week. That's part of the reason why the 90th percentile projection is high because we've found historically, especially for receivers that, you know, team total matters a lot. That's where you get those outlier, huge ceiling type performances. And Kirk Cousins, not that expensive, not going to be owned. If you wanted to double stack it too, you can play Rudolph. You could play maybe even Irv Smith as a really cheap tight end. Or you can I mean, just they're try both to, very or, fringe or, plays. Or you can just get lucky and hope that Cook Scores a receiving touchdown. Yeah, you, you could double stack it with Cook. I think if you're saying, though, that Cook's going to start climbing towards McCaffrey, I think if I'm stacking Cousins, I'm doing it as like leverage off that, and I'm probably not going to use Cook. That, like If you're MME, I think you are fine to double stack with Cook and a pass catcher, but if I'm doing single entry three max, I'm probably either going solo digs or digs and saying, hey, tight end's volatile anyway, so give me the correlation play and hope to get lucky. Five highest projected receivers this week per fansharesports.com. Robbie Anderson, close to 20%. Devontae Parker, 18%. DJ Moore, 15%. Zach Pascal, 14%. Mike Evans, 14%. Uh, any of those ownerships get you off of those guys? I would not use Robbie Anderson as the chalk wide receiver, I'll tell you that. I mean... All of them, I, I I could see all of them. Like they're not our best plays as is. So if those guys are all going to be chalky. You know, I'm often guys like Robbie Anderson are guys you play when they're not going to be owned, and you don't play when they're going to be owned because they're really big play guys. You know, a lot of variance there that makes them much tougher to project. So the weeks they seem like they're in a really good spot or seem like they're in a really bad spot, they're probably closer to the middle than on those ends of the spectrum, just because you're dependent on plays that are somewhat unpredictable to begin with, you know, I guess quantity of pass attempts, you can project a little bit, but that's not necessarily something you're projecting as five and a half point home favorites against Miami. So I'm off him. I mentioned with the Colts, I think that whole thing could be a trap. I think Doyle could be a trap. People are looking to him after 10 targets last week with Ebron out and they see this juicy matchup against Tampa Bay, but we've got stuff spread out there. We don't have them projecting very well, just as a team. I could see them failing DJ Moore. I love, but you're talking him up to seven K. Now you can get Curtis Samuel for $2,100 cheaper than him. You know, I think I'd rather play that at much lower ownership than a chalky DJ Moore. Mike Evans is like the really good version of Robbie Anderson in terms of play him when he's not owned and don't play him when he's owned. He's just very volatile. So I mean, if those guys are going to be the chalk, give me the guys like DeAndre Hopkins, who's a little bit underpriced at 7,400, and I'm going to be a masochist and probably play Odell Beckham again this week. 
Yeah, I mean, Jarvis Landry's just a better player, so maybe you just play him instead. But your point is well taken on that front. But if you want to play Robbie Anderson, just play Will Fuller instead, who no one's going to own. He'll be 120th the ownership of Robbie Anderson, and they're essentially the same guy. Yeah, Will Fuller's better. Like, I mean, or at least he's playing with a better quarterback. So, that yeah, that it's. I'm not playing chalk Robbie Anderson. If if chalk receiver, if chalk volatile receivers beat me, so be it. I think that's the way you. If you have a week, you can go in, and all the chalk receivers are guys that are. Yes, they have huge ceilings, but they're volatile and have pretty low floors. I think that's the week you're plus EV to just not play those guys. Um, because they could all fail, and then you're in a really, really juicy spot. Quarterback injuries, not a ton. Baker Mayfield's going to play with his hand injury. Stafford and Daniel Jones are not going to play. So you get Eli, you get Mr. Blau under center for the Detroit Lions. Um, as it pertains to DraftKings, it does seem like Fitz and Tannehill are the two that everyone's going to go towards because they're cheap. But like I mentioned, I don't have a single one projected over 10%, so you can basically take anyone you want. I do think that someone like Kirk Cousins is a super contrarian play because no one is using him. But especially with the weather picking up, probably the worst weather game of the week for Buffalo, like, shouldn't we just use Lamar Jackson? He's great every week. (laughs) I was just going to say, is this the week people don't play Lamar? I mean, I run these... Uh, every week for Daily Roto, I do an article where I sort of simulate the DraftKings scores for different players and how often the player is the top scorer. And Lamar Jackson practically breaks those sims because his rushing upside is so huge that week in, week out, you know, he's got 5% higher probability than anyone else of being the top overall scorer at the position. And with everything spread out, yeah, I think he goes under-owned. I don't like to say that because it'd be awesome if the Bills won this game as a Buffalo Bills fan. And, you know, but at the end of the day, we just haven't seen a quarterback like this in fantasies, you know, since Vic basically. And even then, you know, it's a little bit different from that. I think because it's so ingrained and built into the offense and what they do, it's, somewhat predictable a little bit week to week you know he's going to get those yardage that yardage on the ground yeah you can just play naked lamar on one side and bring it back with revenge game john brown you're looking good dude we have john brown as a top 10 value and the initial ownership projection on him is like one percent i don't think anyone's gonna play him yeah I, i would actually tend to agree with you although it's a really tough matchup for him it is and we probably do have to do a weather doc there that's the one game as you said, with some weather concerns, it sounds like winds are going to be like 15 to 20 miles per hour. And you know, try not to overreact to weather, but when you start getting 15 plus mile per hour sustained winds, you know, the historical data does show your know, teams are going to probably going to run a little bit more. The yards per attempt is going to come down a little bit relative to expectation. So that needs to be factored in. But hey, you know, not the worst thing in the world to run a naked John Brown back on a naked Lamar team. I, it's funny. I thought you said a naked John Rom, and I was like, "Ooh, naked John Rom. That's, that's, that's a big dude out on the field." But um, <laughs> what about Drew Brees? Fifty nine hundred. He'll never be cheaper. He's at home. It's the worst matchup on paper of the week. I still think he can be useful here, and he's another guy no one's using. The New Orleans projections are driving me absolutely batty. I've taken like three looks at them this week, and just trying to figure out. Uh, the team level expectations because we know historically at home they just absolutely smash almost no matter who they play and the pricing's really good no one's talking about michael thomas either and he's not crazy expensive but they don't spit out well in our projections and 
you know, a lot of that has to do with the matchup. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of it. Basically, all that has to do with the matchup against San Francisco, and you get a much lower team total on New Orleans than you generally see at home. So I'm trying to balance the fact that they're at home. They're historically strong at home. You know, offense matters a little bit more than the defense matters. But at the same time, this is a really good defense. Vegas is clearly expecting a dock and efficiency from the New Orleans side of things because of where they've set the line and the total in this game. So I'm trying to balance all of those things. And what it spits out right now is, you know, Drew Brees, a guy who has no rushing upside in today's NFL when a lot of guys can run a little bit, even though he's really cheap, you know, probably not the best play this week. Okay. Uh, any interest in Kelvin Herman at wide receiver, just very quickly, because he's also super cheap. No, I, I'm not really on Haskins, and I know the recent target share for him has been a bit better, but no, Harmon isn't a guy that's really popped for me this week at all. All right, well, in that sort of same vein, uh, we talked about all those cheap running backs. What are the chances Chris Thompson outscores them all? Dude, I almost joked about Chris Thompson when I was talking about your love for cheap fast-catching running backs. You've been trying to get Chris Thompson out of my mouth for years, I feel like, on this show, but... I don't know. I think the chances that he has a really meaningful game are pretty low. I just think, you know, with Geis there playing well now, I don't really see it. I know Thompson's going to be the pass catching back, but he's not catching as many passes as he has when he was, you know, at his peak fantasy value. I'm not into it. All right. The thing is, a lot of these other guys have goal line work equity, you know, on top of them. That, that you, the think. Cheap, you think. Well, you think. It's it's possible, whereas I don't think it's possible for Chris Thompson. Let's put it that way. Okay. Tight ends. Like the we in- could be wrong, but we could be right. The, the tight end injury report for Ziwik. Uh Ertz, Hooper, Evan Ingram, David Njoku now all look like they're going to play. Luke Wilson, Josh Oliver, and Rhett Ellison all look like they're not going to play, at least at this moment. The Giants and Philly guys, we're going to find out more on Saturday about them. Gerald Everett has been declared out. TJ Hawkinson is out. And Greg Olson is out with a concussion. That leaves the three highest projected owned tight ends on DraftKings this week, Doyle, Ian Thomas, and Darren Waller. So, again, I think this week, just, I mean, if Doyle and Thomas are going to be one and two, like, do you have any issues with using Ian Thomas at the bare min? No, and I think if you're eating chalk at tight end, it might as well be really cheap chalk. It's such a fragile position. You know, everyone can go bad, which is a reason not to play chalk there. But if I'm going to do it, it might as well be really cheap chalk because I'm fine with Ian Thomas, even if he's chalk. I don't know if it's someone I'll own heavily, but I think of the three guys you mentioned, if they're all chalk, Ian Thomas is the one I'm most likely to use. Would you go to someone like Higby? Again, I know he's not playing the Cardinals. Actually, he's not even on the slate, so don't worry about him. In season long, if you had to pick between them, would you go Thomas or Higby? I would go Higby. I mean, we saw the absolutely massive ceiling last week that I don't think you get out of Ian Thomas. So, yeah, and, and I, I do I do think that Ian Thomas is by far the best of these pay-down guys because there's not even a ton in the 3,000 level this week. I guess Njoku's 35 if you wanted to gamble. That's probably just a bit too much for me. That's too much of a gamble. I still really like Noah Fant. And the you know, last four games, he's had over a 20% target share. Really, really athletic tight end. You know, give me volume for a cheap tight end who can break a big play, you know, at low ownership. I like him a lot in tournaments. You don't worry about Drew Locke at all? Although the Texans' pass I, defense sucks. So 
I do worry about Drew Locke, but it's one of those things where if no one's going to play him, you know, give me the targets in the athletic upside. And if Drew Locke sucks and brings him down, so be it. But I think the upside is still with the other cheap plays or even higher than the other cheap plays. If I was going to use a Denver running back or Denver player this week, I would actually just find the money and play Cortland Sutton. I just, you can play him every single week. He's really good. He's having sort of like a run, like Don Devonte Parker's run has been more highly publicized, but Cortland Sutton's basically been just as good. Yeah. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think he's in play in tournaments not at the top of my list, but it's hard to argue with what he's done, regardless of who's been throwing the ball. So Vance McDonald week against the Cardinals hasn't really materialized in the way that I thought that it would. Uh, will you use Vance McDonald? Cause I'm kind of out on Vance McDonald. I think I'm out 4,300. You know, they're starting to price these guys up against the Cardinals. I don't know. I'm out. If he was 3,500, I'd be in, but I'm not in at 4,300. All right, if you want in two under-owned plays this week, I don't know how much I love them because I might gravitate towards the Doyle or Ian Thomas chalk because I think both those guys are good plays and depending on how much I need. If I can get up, you know, I'll, I'll try to get up to the top to the Wallers or Hoopers of the world. But I think that Ryan Griffin and Mike Gesicki in the low 4,000s, 4,100, 4,000, are both in excellent spots in that game and those are the two pieces of that game that no one seems to be using. If I were to pick between those two, it'd be Gesicki. I think he has the athletic profile to have, you know, to absolutely go off. And, you know, Griffin's a guy that I've been monitoring when we set our efficiency baselines each week. And I've taken a look at him as he's performed really well. He's just run so pure on touchdowns that I think he's overpriced now. And a lot of the production that he's seen is a bit fluky and likely to continue. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of debating because we didn't bring up Alan Hearns at receiver who's $4,100. Just if we want to get access to low owned parts of this game, I think I would go with Gasicki, who is like, I mean, in the past four games, at least six targets in all of them and against the jets. Woo. It's not bad. Not at all. I, what do you think about Kittle though? I think this could be Kittle week if he's not going to be chalked. I would tend to agree. Levitan and I talked about this on the, uh, it's just hard to get up to him because he's $5,900. I guess if you can make the room for 58 for Waller, just pay for Kittle instead. Cause he's better. Yeah. He also, I know he's been dealing with injuries all year long, but hundred percent of snaps last week was really encouraging to me. So I mean, you talk about a guy that can go nuts. I mean, we have him the highest projected target share at the position. He has the most yak upside of any tight end, like basically ever. Um, that we've seen play the game. So if you're going to tell me he's like, I thought Waller was going to be low owned, but if he all of a sudden is gaining steam with the Renfro injury and whatnot, like I liked him as a tournament play. If he wasn't going to be owned, if he's going to be the chalk, I would much rather pivot to Kittle. And we like Waller. Our DR projections have him and Doyle as like the top values, but we've just got that position so tightly clustered um, that I think there's also something not present in the data for Kittle ceiling that we just know historically he can make these really big plays that you generally don't see at the position. We haven't brought up any of the Kansas city guys on the show and, or they've been dismissed sort of outright right away. Is that just a mistake? Like is, could you win a million dollars this week stacking Mahomes, Kelsey and Hill? Yeah, I think any week Casey's not going to be owned because, and this is again, where the offense matters a little bit more than the defense with the projection system you know, it's hard again to strike that balance between, okay, this is where Mahomes is, you know, yards per tent baseline is and how many touchdowns they usually throw versus, oh, well, their team totals 
down to 23 this week, but there's, you know, such a phenomenal offense that if they're able to, you know, dictate this game and if anyone's going to go off in a really difficult matchup, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes that, yeah, I think it's interesting. Then it's also pretty easy to bring back Edelman and just hope he catches like 15 balls. So if you were making MME mix, uh, I would play it. I probably won't play it in single entry three max though. No, probably, probably not for me either. But if I end up doing like 10 lineups or something like that, I might allocate two of them to that, that type of stack. Yeah, I would game. I would definitely bring someone back on it. You have to, if you're going to do that. So it'd be for me, it'd be Edelman or James White, I suppose. White would be cheaper. Yeah. And White is the guy that would fit the game script that you're You're looking for. If Mahomes goes off, it's the game script we saw last week where White played like the entire second half and I locked him in showdown and barely made any money because I stink. You put him, you use your captain in showdown and you didn't make money last week? I I locked him in, uh, I locked him in all lineups, but not as captain specifically. Oh, so you gotta just you gotta leave that to Drewby. Drewby will just win all the money. I know. Did you know I that try, did, I did try you to know? come up with all these ways to beat him? But did you hard. know that I've stopped playing Showdown because I figured out that I just can't beat him, so I'm just not gonna play. There's fifty five thousand entrants, but it doesn't matter because there's one guy I'm not gonna beat, and there's no point in playing. Exactly. Well, uh, who's the guy at Grinders who's killing it as well? Uh, uh Tony. Was it is it Big T? I think it's Big T. There's someone, uh, uh, at, there's someone at Grinders who, who's going to... Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I know Drewby was joking because there was like... Before the showdown slate, he was like drinking beers and playing like uh, one of those arcade games. And Drewby's like, my nemesis, I'm out here grinding at my computer and he's just out chilling at a bar before the contest locks. Yeah, it's Tony. Big T44DFS on Twitter if you want to follow. Tony's a good dude. Loves the challenge. Apparently very good at showdown. So there's two guys that I can't beat along with the other 50,000 people who I also can't beat. So another reason <laughs> to not play showdown for me. Let's talk about defenses, though. Uh, before we get out of here, I have mentioned I like Kansas City a lot. I like Kansas City in this game. Am I, am I just such a fish for using Kansas City? I, I don't know. I'm. They're fine. I, I'm not super into them. They're on the road. I don't think they're a good defense. I think the reason why they're a good fantasy defense is because they play in a lot of positive game scripts for them where they can just unleash the pass rush like we saw last week against Oakland where can I, can I give you my case puts them in, can I can I can, can I give you my case for the Chiefs yeah. this week okay let's hear it. So, so they're three-point underdogs which would lead you to believe that they're not going to get very many cracks at Brady because like we saw in like a sort of a shitty weather game against Dallas when Je- when uh, Raza needed Dallas D to really be on like the pressure they needed Brady to be throwing and that just didn't happen I think that the Chiefs are going to win this game. I don't think that the Patriots, at least in this matchup, match up very well. Maybe in play, when it comes to playoff time and it's a little bit colder, maybe that's a different scenario. And I do need to track the weather on this game. But if I play in a world where the Chiefs get up early, even if it's 10 nothing early or 14-3, to something like that, the Patriots do play one of the fastest games in terms of uh, snaps per game. They have some of the most. So if they get behind, they're going to be throwing a ton. Even if it's dink and dunk type stuff, I don't really care. You mentioned the Chiefs pass rush. It's very good. Their pass defense overall, it's okay. Their run defense kind of sucks. But if you take away that element from the Patriots and you make Brady pass like 40, 45 times in this game, you have a situation where their offensive line is banged up. Uh, they haven't reintegrated Isaiah Wynn yet. They've lost their center. I just don't think they can block for them and just maybe the Patriots are no good. Maybe that's the thing. 
Yeah, I mean, that's anytime you can talk yourself into the other team throwing a bunch, I'm fine with playing that in tournament because past attempts are where the upside is generated from. So I'm fine with it from that perspective. I just see you know, a high total against or defense on the road and as bad of a feeling as the market in general has about the Patriots offense right now, they're still 10th in offensive DVOA, which you know, maybe you're buying into, maybe you're not, but I don't think they're complete dust yet. And I, I don't think they are, but I think I'd be willing to gamble on the chance that they could be. Yeah. I, w- I wonder who you think is going to be chalky. Cause like, I like Baltimore a lot at 2,900. Again, I hate picking on my bills, but you know, a lot of Josh Allen's success is coming against teams that just aren't that good. Uh, you know, huge game against Dallas, national TV game. People are all buying in. And then we saw Mitch Trubisky put up a crazy game against them as well. And then it, it dampens, you know, your optimism from that performance a little bit. Now you get him in game with some wind to it. Really, really high profile game. A guy that, you know, can make some mistakes, even though he hasn't recently. Uh, I like Baltimore at 2,900. And it, a lot of people are probably going to go really cheap that might deflate the ownership a little bit. I don't think it'll be like megalone, but I'm hoping it's not chalk either. I got some bad news for you, Mr. Mike. Three highest projected owned defense, and Uh, defenses are probably the highest to project. So, And none of them are like 30%. They're like 12 13%. Packers, Ravens, Colts, one, two, three. Okay. I see the Colts play a lot. Like, I get why people are going there. It's super cheap, and Jameis just has the type of events that are good for opposing defenses, takes some sacks, turns the ball over. Even if he can put up a lot of points and throw for a lot of yards. Again, what we care about are, are those sacks and turnovers. So I get the Colts play. So I, um, I, I like, like I said, I like, the, I think the Steelers are objectively the best play at 3,500. They're just hard to get to. Cause that's a lot to pay for a defense. I like the saints at 3,100. Um, I just think they're flying under the radar. They can pressure the quarterback. We know that. And Jimmy G might not actually be good. So that's a thing. Uh, the Ravens, like you mentioned, I do like them in this spot, but the chiefs, the Bengals, 2,200, 2,100, like what if Baker's hand isn't okay? He throws picks anyway, and the Bengals have shockingly generated a ton of pressure on the quarterback the past three weeks, which, you know, that's something to look at against Baker. They have a terrible offensive line. Yeah, and they've just, for whatever reason, they've just been so inconsistent all year long that any cheap defense against them, I'm fine with. I'm more on board with Cincinnati than I am with KC. Uh, I still like Tampa Bay, I think, the best of the really cheap defenses. Um Taking a look, though, I don't know. I mean, you can kind of roll the dice. I don't want to make it sound like I have these huge convictions because it's just so highly variant at defense. I don't know. There's a few plays I think are really bad, and then after that, it's kind of like play whoever you want. Can, can I – and this might come back to bite me, but eh, if you're not going to have a hot take, why have a take at all? I think the Packers' defense is a bad play this week. Okay, I'll, I'll say – are people not going to play Minnesota at all? No, they're not. And I, that, that was going to sort of be my next point. That uh, this in Vikings game in general is just one that no one is paying attention to. They're just like, eh, we can't figure out. You know, Detroit stinks, but Blah was good enough that we're just going to avoid. Yeah, this game does seem ripe for the picking in like in a lot of different ways. Where if you were making, you know, 10 teams, as you said, you could play different ways of Minnesota succeeding in a few different, like Minnesota D with Cook on one. You know, Cousins double stack, bringing Galladay back on one. Uh, that game is starting to get more appealing. So the reason I don't like the Packers defense, just so I actually put some you know color behind any of this, I 
it doesn't matter what the skins do. They're going to run the ball. They could be down by 30 points, and they're going to run the ball. And like you mentioned, you want to be facing teams with pass volume. Yes, maybe 17 dropbacks from Dwayne Haskins is equivalent to someone else dropping back 50 times in terms of potential upside for pick sixes. I'll grant you that. But I think you can run on the Packers. I think they can be successful. And if you're going to face a team that's going to run the ball 40 to 45 times during the game, and ditto for the Texans this week too, if people are thinking about them, because Denver's just going to run the ball. Not only do you have fewer opportunities to generate turnovers on teams that are just running the ball. The clock also just runs the entire game and you see fewer plays overall, which is not what you want. Yeah, the Packers could win this game 27-0, but they could score 10 points only just because they shut them out. And you don't need playing for like three points against because that's so dicey. Yeah, so we have a decent projection on the Packers, but to back up what you're saying, we have the total projected offensive attempts between pass attempts, rush attempts for Washington at 55, which is like two to three attempts less than any other team on the entire slate. So uh, what you're saying definitely is backed up by the data and what we're projecting as well. You know, the opportunities Green Bay is going to have are they're probably safe from a points allowed standpoint, but that's not what you're generating your big time upside. So I think they're going to look very well from a projection standpoint because probably going to get a couple of sacks and you're, you're not going to give up a ton of points and you know, that's fine. But as far as the huge ceiling game, it might not be as juicy as it looks when you're just like, Oh, Dwayne Haskins sucks and he's on the road and a big underdog. Let's pick against them. Like I would say that there's an 80% chance that the Vikings face more pass attempts from Blau than the Packers do from Haskins. Yeah, we have the Lions with 59 combined team attempts and a 60% pass ratio, and Washington with 55 total team attempts and a 57% pass ratio, which might even be a little bit high. So more plays for the Lions and a higher pass ratio for them. So that, that's a decent amount of attempts more than we're projecting for Washington. Okay. Mike Leone, dailyroto.com. Thanks for joining me. This is an atypical Friday show, but I really liked it. I feel, I feel like I have a better understanding of the slate now. Yeah. It's nice to do stuff on Fridays when you get that injury report. And, you know, even if you don't have the final, final injury report, it's really helpful to get that news. Uh, I know it's good to get content out early, but that's, you know, we started doing our premium podcast on Saturday mornings for the same reasons. You just better information, better quality of content. So thanks for having me on. It's been, it's been a little while for us yeah it really has oh golden tate has cleared concussion protocol you want to know something super i really like the saints this week at minus two against the niners i think that the saints might wax the niners but i mean i've been wrong on the niners most of the year but taron armstead's back with his high ankle sprain he's missed the last two games getting your left tackle back against this defensive line the way i envision this game going is that we know that the Niners probably have the best D-line in football, but the Saints actually have one of the best O-lines. I think they can mitigate the pass rush a little bit. So if you're just taking like, then it just reverts back to maybe that the Saints offense can be you know slightly less or on par with the 49ers defense because Sherman's banged up, uh, D Ford's banged up. They're going to play, but they're not going to be 100%. So let's say those things are a wash and the entire game comes down to San Francisco's offense versus the Saints defense. Like I feel this like the Saints defense is significantly better than the Niners offense. Yeah, I was just looking up Super Bowl odds because I had seen some data on the Saints that suggests that they've been really, really good, like better than the market seems. But they're, they're, sec- they they're second. Uh, I have them as yes. the second best odds. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at them. They're tied with the Patriots. So apparently no value in that long shot bet on the Eagles, Pat. Now's the time.
Let's see. The Eagles are. They're still only 45 to 1 on mine. Oh, I've seen 65 to 1. I guess it's one of those things that's like really different depending on what book you're looking at. Like, I would say, like, of the things that I'm looking at right now, like, I don't think the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl, but I think that they're a better bet at 80 to 1. The AFC is weaker and they have potentially the best defense in that in that conference if the eagles will get that first home game i don't know the the steelers are like at kc if they make the playoffs yeah but the the steelers are weird they could beat kc i mean none of these teams have a very good chance of winning so i guess i shouldn't be quibbling over the round one matchup for them but if we're at making fun bets uh you know if you get the eagles at 65 to 1 45 to 1 yeah that seems pretty light but um I think there is a path, and this week will determine a lot of it. Like, I don't think that Buffalo is equipped to match up with the Ravens whatsoever. I think that's a really bad matchup for them. Um, and I think that the Chiefs are a really bad matchup. So maybe you would have to play. I don't know if there's a scenario where you couldn't play one of those two teams, but I do think that the Bills At are. Houston, a, they could start. They, they could beat Houston definitely in round one. And I think they could beat the Patriots too. I think they're I think, the right, they're the right type of style of team to beat those two teams, but because the explosive offense and yeah, the Texans have an explosive offense too, but I think the bills could rush three guys and get to Watson. In theory, if the bills won at Houston, they'd probably be at new England because it'd probably be KC versus Baltimore. Oh no, no, we'd be at Baltimore because Baltimore would be the one seed. So the bills could do, really do themselves a huge favor by beating the Ravens this week. Yeah, beat the Ravens, lose to New England. If, if, if theoretically you want to set up the chance to play New England round two of the playoffs, I would. How do you think the Bills match up against Kansas City? I actually think that's their worst opponent. I don't know. It's hard. We haven't played very many good teams. I know Bills fans hate hearing that, and I think we played. I think the beginning of the year we got lucky and had a really easy schedule, and then I think something clicked with Allen and Dayball offensively. And the last three weeks, I think they've been legitimately good and you've seen that in dvoa where early in the year they were six and three or whatever and they were like 20 second in dvoa and then all of a sudden they rose all the way to 11th or something three weeks later so i think there's like more optimism in me that there might actually be good but as far as the matchup against kc i i don't know i think we match up worse against baltimore and then versus kc new england i'm unsure Okay. Well, this week, in terms of spreads, I like the Saints minus two. I like the Broncos plus nine and a half. Those would be my two that I'm going with. Do you, do you have any spreads you like? I still like that over in the Dolphins-Jets game. Um, I like Carolina plus three and a half. It's a good line. The, the, the hook is pretty enticing. Yeah, it, it draws you in big time. And then that's that's kind of the only one that sticks out. If I, I'm kind of on Tampa Bay minus three a little bit here. Really? I feel like that's one where everyone really just people do not like Jameis. And I don't know. I feel like it's that lines like one of those weird lines that's going to draw people into the Colts and all their health issues are just going to arise and Tampa Bay at home, pretty good pass offense. They can put up points. In terms of overall money this week, whether it be on spreads or money lines, uh, the biggest one-sided games are the 49ers have drawn 79% of the money against the Saints. The, 
Where's the other one here? The Ravens have drawn 72% against the Bills. The Packers are drawing 72% against the Redskins. And the only other team above 70, Vikings, 72% against the Lions. I would assume those big favorites are a lot of like money line parlays and putting them together. But shocking. Actually, yeah. no, the, oh, here's a, here's a really interesting one. 54% of people have bet on the Steelers to cover against the Cardinals. Yet, 87% of the money is on the Cardinals. I I don't know enough about those trends. So that's kind of like indicating that the public is betting Pittsburgh and that the Sharps are betting Arizona, right? I, I think you could dissect it a bunch of different ways. I think you could say that because, I mean, with the actual picks, that's people taking the spread, that fewer people are taking the plus two for Arizona and they're just straight up betting the money line instead. Like they're giving up, but essentially team. more bets are coming in on Pittsburgh, but the big bets are coming in on Arizona. All the spread bets are coming in on Pittsburgh, but just bet the total handle in general, money line and spreads favors Arizona significantly. So that would lead me to oh, that, okay, that, okay. that people aren't understood that. Yeah. So people aren't betting Arizona plus two and a half. They're betting Arizona to win at like plus one forty, whatever it is. In general, I lose every week betting for Cleveland and betting against Pittsburgh. So why not why not keep that going this week? Me, Colin, and Dink are all doing pretty well in the uh, DK Super Pool, by the way. Oh, really? Hey, uh, any chance of like legit money? I don't think any chance of winning, but I think we could all ca- – I think I'm like 26 and 16. Now you get the stale lines because they locked the lines in on Thursday. No, so you, everyone but, but does did, like – You can take advantage of that. There is merit to like – Picking like, well, I did this earlier in the year, like uh, the Kansas City Tennessee game when Mahomes came back. Oh my God, we, and, and, we all took Kansas City. I, I actually like we we said it on the show. It's just like if you're behind in any pool, just take Tennessee because everyone's going to. Oh, it K- makes sense. It, it, it's a double win if you get it right. We weren't able because we have it like via proxy because you're we're not, not there. there to put our picks <laughs> in. So we weren't able to get the picks in on Thanksgiving, and the Bears line shifted a ton. So we couldn't get the bears and we were so pumped that it looked like Detroit was going to cover. And all those people were going to like take that as like their quote unquote free game. And then the bears end up covering by half a point. That was brutal. Uh, the other one where there's like a big discrepancy between spread and money line, there's two of them. Like people are picking the Falcons minus three and a half as their spread picks. But I guess people are just outright betting the Panthers to win. 61% of handle is on them. Same as Browns and Bengals. And this this is one where it seems like the public is picking the Browns, but Sharps are betting the Bengals. 64% of bets have been on, spread bets have been on the Browns. But 65% of the money is on the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, seven think, just seems like a lot for. I I don't think the Bengals are going to win. I, I but I think seven just seems win. like a lot for Cleveland. Like, you, if you bet the money line right now, it's plus two sixty on Cincinnati. Like, did did they have that percent chance of winning? I think they do. I I, I have not a lot. I can't give any more Cleveland advice one way or the other. Uh, if Odell Beckham doesn't do well this week, I'm permanently banned by the company to mention Cleveland or any associated players. We, I mean, it's, it's been rough. It's been rough, Pat. I, I know that we've been going long here and we're over, but any interest in Nick Chubb this week? It didn't feel like anyone's going to play him. No, I will. If I know, we, I will also say, I know we've been going long, but I do want to tilt that. I have a futures bet on Nick Chubb for most rushing touchdowns and a futures bet on, 
Christian McCaffrey for most rushing yards, and I'm going to lose the Nick Chubb rushing touchdowns, but he's also currently ahead of McCaffrey in rushing yards. So I'm a little bit annoyed. Uh, I feel like pretty good that McCaffrey can catch him, but a little bit annoyed by that. Yeah, you still have to fade like Dalvin Cook or even like someone. If Rashad Penny gets down, then you have to fade like Chris Carson as well. Yeah, but I can't believe I don't have a Lamar futures bat. Like, I, I, I'm tilting that. My only two live ones are that are the McCaffrey rushing yards and Jameis passing yards. But Dak's garbage time passing yards has given him a decent cushion. Yeah. All right, Mike Leone at two hats one Mike on Twitter, dailyroto.com. The promo code the PME will get you 10% off at dailyroto.com. You mentioned the premium podcast drops on Saturday mornings. What else? When's, when's the last update of projections that you guys do for the optimizer? Oh, we, I mean, we go all the way through initial lock, all the way through the afternoon. You know, the main update is going to come Saturday when we do the premium podcast, you know, Sunday morning after the Schefter bombs drop. And then Sunday around 1130 to 11:45 a.m. when the inactives come out. That's when the main updates for projections are pushed. But you know, we'll be around to update stuff for the afternoon lock. So if that Josh Jacobs news doesn't break till afternoon inactives around 3 p.m., you know, we'll update our projections so you can see where everything stands and figure out your late swaps and everything. So uh, we don't really rest on Sundays. We're there all day for you, updating all the way through the Sunday showdown inactives. You're playing the Sunday night showdown slate. Right. I'm Pat Mayo. Follow me on the social medias. Remember to vote for me in the FSGA Fantasy Analyst of the Year and play in the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Open for the week. Three max entry, $15 to play. No rake, so it's all guaranteed money in the prize pool. You can find everything in the description of this video or podcast for that, as you can with all of the other updated content that I've been putting out all week. DraftKings Cheat Sheet will drop on Saturday afternoon on DKPlaybook.com. All right? I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. Tune in Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time to get your questions answered. Or you can be cursed by Tim Andercast. Either way, I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!